Hi, my name is Yemi, and I'm here with my co-host, Philia. Hey, guys. And welcome to Treading Faith. Treading Faith is a weekly podcast dedicated to taking a deep dive into open, honest, fun, and sometimes difficult conversations surrounding everyday life, our relationships, and our faith walk with Christ. So, Philia, what are we getting into today? Well, Yemi, we are in our new season of wisdom, which we are taking from the book of Proverbs. In this season, we are talking about how we can live in our faith walk with Christ through the book of Proverbs. Today, we will be discussing the grind of an uncontrolled tongue, and this will be our part two. Now, I will be reading from Proverbs 10, verses 15 through 17, Proverbs 25 and 27. It says, the mouth of the righteous flows with wisdom, but the perverted tongue will be cut out. The lips of the righteous bring forth what is acceptable, but the mouth of the wicked, what is perverted. That is from Proverbs 10, verses 31 to 32. Now, Proverbs 15, 3 is the eyes of the Lord are in every place, watching the evil and the good. Proverbs 15, 23 says a man has joy in an apt answer and how delightful is a timely word. Proverbs 15, 30 to 31 says bright eyes gladden thy heart. Good news puts fat on the bones. Be whose ears listens to the life given reproof will dwell among the wise. And we have Proverbs 16, 24, which says, pleasant words are a honeycomb saved to the soul and healing to the bones. Now, what's interesting about these Proverbs that it talks specifically about how the tongue is uncontrolled. Now, we know that life and death is in the power of the tongue and the things that you say, they manifest themselves. But what's important about these proverbs that we that I just read is that um, it's important to say good things so that your actions can follow suit. So when it says here that a man has joy in an apt answer, and how delightful is a timely word. It's important because timely words means that you're actually thinking about the things that you say. You don't just say them out of order. You don't just say these words just because when people like to actually be so verbose and just talk just to hear themselves, it's important to be specific and be um, um, purposeful about the things that you say. The Proverbs that says, pleasant words are a honeycomb, which sweet to the soul and healing to the bones, it is important because sweet words make people feel pleasant. It's like you get the good the good hormones, the pleasant hormones that you feel when you hear nice things. So when you hear things that are negative or things that um, don't necessarily align with you, you don't feel good in your spirit. You don't feel good in your soul. So when you say pleasant words, then it is an act of kindness. It is something that is God-filled. It's filled with joy when you say 
kind words. And the idea that the word honeycomb is used, all of the sweetness in kind words are all in one place. And when you think of the way honeycombs are, once you squeeze them, the honey actually comes out of each individual circle. So it holds a lot. When you see, you don't really know what it is until it is depressed or until it's touched that you actually see what is emitted from it. So that's kind of like the way when we accept kind words or when we take kind words, it fills up, it fills us with joy. It fills us with things that are pleasant and in that then pleasant things come. Yeah. I I mean, I, I definitely agree. I think that when we talked about the words that we shouldn't use, we learned about the consequences. Whereas here, when we're talking about the types of words and the language that we should use, we're talking about the benefits. Um, I, I like that you you reference again, uh, Proverbs 15, 23, a man has joy in an apt answer and how delightful is a timely word. Because a timely wor- word means that it comes right on time. And I think a lot of us experience a word that comes right on time. <laughs> we're talking, we're dealing with a personal situation. Maybe we go to church. Maybe we talk to a friend. Maybe we're listening to a podcast, reading a book, whatever we're doing a timely word comes to us, it refreshes us. It makes us feel good. And that's how we should be using our words. Instead of doing the things that we talked about in our last episode, we should be doing the things that bring about positivity. This is what Solomon is teaching us. This is what wisdom looks like. No, this is what wisdom sounds Sounds like. like. (laughs) (laughs) That's actually pretty good. You know, in this, you know, Solomon said, you know, so much about the tongue and its impossibility um, to to pretty much digest because we speak so many things, so many words can come out of this mouth that we have. But when the things that come out of our mouth are actually thoughtful and thought-provoking, that's really where wisdom lies. And because this slippery tongue that we have gives us you know, so much trouble is important to watch what we say because you can't really take them back. Now, last week we examined those several reasons, like you mentioned, to bridle the tongue that is like to keep it in check. But when we stumble in many ways, there are things that we need to do to know or to keep ourselves back in check. Now, it in our study last week, we uncovered these things. It was like deceitful flattery, um, gossip and slander, arguments, strife, angry words. Um, we, we covered boasting, and verbosity, right? But now it's about reflection. The things that are convincing, the things that, you know, we are so sure about, the things that are really deliberate, those are the things that you reflect upon. So when you say things and you have a slippery tongue and you speak out of turn and you say things, no matter how much you say, sorry, it's so difficult to take it back because words wound. I know the song sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. It's so false because words hurt sometimes more than physical lashing. Because physical lashing, after that pain is gone, and maybe you might have a mark on your body, eventually it dissipates, it goes away. But words, 
you hear them, you ponder upon them, you you reflect upon them. They stay with you. Sometimes they, they start to affect your character. Sometimes you build your character based on words. It just depends on what it is. So words won't. So we have to be really mindful on the way we choose our words. Like now it gives an example where it says, think of someone, you know, whose speech usually has a positive impact. Let's think about people who naturally do that. Now, of course, when you do that, it creates pleasant environment. People love you. They want to be around you. But you know, when this person typically does the opposite, it doesn't make you want to be around them. So it's important that we have to take a, a special note of the responses that people receive and the ones that they actually say. It's important to be mindful of the words that we use. This is really where uh, true wisdom lies. Yeah, I think being mindful of your speech, how you're talking to someone and even how it affects someone is a hallmark of maturity. Right? When you grow, you don't just say whatever you're thinking. You kind of use your words a little bit more wisely. You're measured in your speaking because you want to invoke positive emotions. Or even if you're not saying something sweet like honeycomb, let's say like you're um, giving criticism, but criticism to help someone grow, like advice. I think even that when you're telling someone about uh, maybe the, about themselves or how they're acting or what they did, you have to use your words wisely because you don't want it to fall on deaf ears. Right. Wise words are measured words. In converse to the unwise words, there are five five hallmarks that Solomon kind of points out for us to use wise words in Proverbs. And it's, we can use them for wise counsel and good advice. Um, we can use it for correction. We can use it for encouragement. We can use it for teaching and comforting. And we can use it for a good sense of humor. <laughs> I think sometimes people don't think that Christians have a good sense of humor. But <laughs> the case. I mean, you know, Philly and I love to have a good time and laugh. And, All the time. And, and God sanctifies our personality. He gave us these personalities. I don't think he wants any of us to be buttoned up. That's not being measured with your words so that you're not funny. You can be funny. Right. But sometimes funny, when you think something is funny, it's hurtful. So if someone tells you like that hurts, hurts my feeling, don't, don't be dismissive of it. Take that as a correction. And then next time use better words. It's time and place. It's the person that you're talking to. We talked mm -hmm. about it. Not everyone receives the words that you're saying very well. So all of these things are considerations. I think that one of probably one of the things that I probably need to work on is um, I think I do a good job of encouragement, but I'm not very good at correction. I mm. feel like I my words are not sweet like a honeycomb. <laughs> so I actually avoid it. But Solomon doesn't, Solomon tells us that it's wise to offer um, reproof. It's wise to correct someone. So in Proverbs 27, five to six, it says, better is open rebuke than love that is concealed. Faithful mm -hmm. are the wounds of a friend, but deceitful are kisses of an enemy. Right. Like you, we don't want to be in a situation where we're upset with someone and we're 
it's like the fake friends or something. <laughs> you're being fake or you're being funny. You're saying hi, you're smiling, but in your heart, there's like, you have an unresolved matter. It's good to resolve your matter. It's good to talk about certain situations, but being wise means that you have measured your words. You probably even thought about it so that you can approach the person. And like I said, time and place is one thing. Knowing the person's temperament is something. I think if you don't feel comfortable talking to someone or or correcting someone, I think that's not a really good relationship. At least that's not a relationship with a foundation of trust. Because I think when there's trust, you feel free to tell someone things and and also receive correction. Right. Right. Um, It's really um, funny you said that because when you started talking about fake friends, I remember this uh, poem that always um, stayed with me, but it's... um, True friends are like diamonds, precious but rare, but fake friends are like autumn leaves found everywhere. And it's it's kind of like this idea that really when you have true friends, those are the ones that speak truth to you and they don't say things intentionally to hurt you. They may give you constructive criticism, which is part of wise words. You use your wise words to build communities, to build relationships, right? So even in Proverbs 15, 2, it says, the tongue of the wise makes knowledge acceptable, but the mouth of fools spouts folly. In Proverbs 15, 7, it says, the lips of the wise spread knowledge, but the hearts of fools are not so. Kind of like the same thing about the fake friends, the fools, ones who are not wise. Then it says, you know, just as we find these five destructive uses of the tongue, we also have to find the ways of, that we can use the tongues for wisdom. It says here in Proverbs 15, 7, the lips of the wise spread knowledge. That was what we talked about. And then in Proverbs 15, 22 is without consultation, plans are frustrated, but with many counselors, they succeed. So it's still this idea that we have to be mindful of our words. We can use wise words to build people, to instill power and authority and 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 goodness. But when you use destructive words or uncontrolled words, those are the things that break and tear people down. Yeah, I think what you said about community is very, very important. And I think sometimes Maybe even if you have like a constructive criticism for someone, maybe you're not the person to tell them because it it won't be well received. And when you're giving um, constructive criticism, or at least like when you're on the receiving end, it's important to keep an open mind about the person who's telling you something, right? This is the person who's giving you this, this criticism should be someone who loves you. Then you know that it's coming from a place of love. Sometimes even people who love you may speak out of anger, but they're quick to say sorry and you're quick to forgive because these are characteristics of love. We we know like like love is patient, love is kind. Mm-hmm. You know, it doesn't keep a record of wrongdoing. And, and so I, I love that you said that it's it's community because we build each other up. Mm-hmm. And we build each other up in love. So it's not a bad thing to give someone correction. It's just a matter of giving them correction through love. I can say like my my sister is probably like my go-to person 
for correction. Like if anybody tells me something, I always measure it with her because I know she, not only is she going to be honest, I know she speaks out of love. So there isn't a fear. You know, there's that trust when we're talking so that I can learn from my mistakes. Even if I might get angry at first, you know, there's love is still patient and kind. I can get over it quickly. Okay. That's interesting. Thank you for sharing that because um, it's great that you actually have a go-to person. Sometimes we don't have people or we have too many people. So you have too many cooks in the kitchen, right? Or too many pots, uh, hands in a pot. So a lot of that criticism can become destructive at times. And even when we think of friendly, fr like it's like friendly wounds, like I talked about words that wound, but there's something that they talk about um, friendly wounds where you have the most helpful use of the tongue can be uncomfortable because not everybody is great at using constructive criticism. Either they might feel too harsh or they may be so concerned about the person's feelings that they may try to sugarcoat it. But when you're really a true friend, you have to try to learn how to just be upfront, how to say things with confidence in knowing that the friendship is so strong and the relationship is so strong that the person, like you mentioned, it comes from a good place. You are not offended to the point where you want you don't want to deal with that person anymore. And I think that's where the fear comes in because there are some people who can't wait to tell you off. And then there are people who say, I really want to say something, but I don't want to hurt his or her feelings. And that's where it can become very destructive or dangerous. Um, but it, but it is true that pleasant, soothing words given in the wrong context can lead to disaster. And I think that is a very interesting thing because if if it's if it's pleasant, but in the wrong context, which means you're not telling someone the truth or um, helping to guide them on a more righteous path, then it can be disastrous. Yeah, I think that's why it's so important to be mindful and measured and when you're talking to someone because it can hurt. And sometimes it's uncomfortable. We just have to be open to the fact that sometimes when people are talking to us, we can feel uncomfortable because it may feel like an attack. But if we remember that the person loves us and who's talking to us, we can probably be a little bit more accepting, even if it hurts a little bit, even if it's a little bit uncomfortable. That's why they call it growing pain. It's not easy. What, what I think is a good way and another thing that Solomon pointed out as wise words is encouragement. So I think when I, I get criticism at work, or I let me not call it criticism, when I get reviewed on a matter or on an assignment, um, the person who I usually talk to about my work, she always comes, she always gives encouragement to. This is how I always know that something else is coming because there's, there's a lot of encouragement. And I appreciate it because I think it's, she's trying to express like, listen, I'm not saying that you're awful or you're terrible. There's a lot of great things you do, but these are the things that you can work on. Honestly, I like direct communication. I don't need all of that. Like I don't need all of that buffer, but it helps, it helps me only in the sense that I, it tells me about that person's character. So even if it was straight, 
I know that this person is always encouraging. So I wouldn't feel so upset when they're giving me criticism. I wouldn't take it so hard or so personal because I know that this person wants me to succeed. And I think that's a good good reminder for us that even when we want to give correction or give criticism or when we want to help someone, uh, let, let's not call it criticism. I don't know a better word for criticism, but right, like, right. Um, direction, guidance. Uh, that's a good one, guidance. Yeah. Well, we <laughs> give someone a little bit more guidance and mm-hmm. let's stop and think before we do it and try to kind of measure it with encouragement. And if you're a type of person who's constantly giving encouragement to someone, to the people around you, that when you do give guidance that might be a little bit uh, more critical, I think they're more willing to accept it because they know what kind, what your character is. They know that you come from a place of love and encouragement and support. Got you. You know, um, I think that's so true about what you said in your last statement, because even when we did our further re- readings, it says even in Proverbs 28, 23, he who rebukes a man will afterward find more favor than he who flatters with the tongue. So you remember flattery is is nice, but when you're doing it to be deceitful and your motives that you have an you know ulterior motive, that's that's where it's it's not wise. That's when it's deceitful. But if you are rebuking, the person doing the rebuking should also be the one who loves and cares and wants to protect the person they're rebuking because it has to come from a a heartfelt place, a place of genuinity, you know? And I think that's where rebuking sometimes gets a little miscommunicated in the sense, because it's like, well, who are you to say something to me? Or you don't even care about me or you're mean to me, you know? So it's important to, if you are doing the rebuking, to come from a, a really good place and to also make sure that that relationship is solid between you and the person. Yeah, that's, I think that's great. And I think um, just to like wrap it up, the last two, the last two points that Solomon wanted us to remember for, for using wise words are are teaching in a good sense of humor, because Mm -hmm. no matter what the situation is, if you're coming from a place of love and encouragement, you're ultimately teaching. And I think, um, I think, we all have different teachers in the world. Sometimes we learn from someone just by their examples, just by watching them. Sometimes we learn from people because they they are telling us uh, about uh, about their history and what they've done and how they've overcome. And I think that's a goal for all of us as Christians to make sure that we are a walking, living Mm. testimony of God's grace and love. We can always share how God is good for us, how how God has been good to us. We can also share the fact that we want God, we want to tell people that we've had trials and tribulations and we overcome. And I think they're great points that Solomon made. And, And even when he talks about being humorous, it's the fact that we get to choose joy. Um, Proverbs 15, 13 says, a joyful heart makes a cheerful face. But when the heart is sad, the spirit is broken. All the days are afflicted and bad, but a cheerful heart has a continual, continual feast. 
So he's encouraging us to bring joy into people's lives because we all go through things where we're down. And sometimes we can make people laugh. Like we can encourage people with our words, but also we can encourage people with joy. We can find ways to bring them joy. We can give give uh, advice to make them smile. Like go to go to a movie, go to go for a walk, go see a comedy show. Do things that can make you feel joyful because this life is not easy. This is why it's so important for us to be mindful of our words because we don't want to send anyone over the edge. We want to give them a plateau to step on so that they can feel um, feel better. We want to encourage one another. So I think these are things that we need to keep in mind as Christians that we need to encourage. We need to do correction and guidance. We need to be a testimony. We need to share joy. We need to we uh we need to uh, teach all these things that Solomon is saying to us is how we should be using our words. And I think maybe we need to stop and think if we're not doing any of these things, what are we even talking about? <laughs> right, right. You know, um, I I like what you what you just said because to really exemplify what that is. It, it says even in Proverbs 10, 11, that witnessing, teaching, comforting um, the mouth of the righteous is a fountain of life. So it's like, it gives you life when you are, are, are teaching or have good things to say, when wisdom is actually coming from a good place and not just saying because you think you're an authority or a power um, you know, to be able to use them, you sometimes can be destructive in using them, but you can bring about life. You can, you can build communities, you can build self-worth, you can make someone come off that edge and, and, and turn to God. So many wonderful things can come from that power of the tongue. It's important that when we speak, we speak kind words. We speak words that we want to manifest, not negative things. Amen. I can't wait for more. We have a live tonight, but stay tuned for announcements and closing prayer. Amen. Thank you for tuning into our podcast today as we discuss the importance of learning to choose and use wise words from the book of Proverbs. We hope you enjoyed the discussion. And before we wrap, we have a few announcements. Then we would like to close in prayer. First, we would like to announce that we will be back next week with another podcast in this season of Unlocking Wisdom Through the Book of Proverbs. We will also be hosting our next Wisdom Wednesday live on YouTube tonight, August 8th at 8 p.m. Eastern time on our YouTube channel, Treading Faith. Treading Faith is also our Instagram handle, so follow our IG page to keep current on what is going on and happening with Treading Faith. Our podcast is available on Apple, Spotify, Google, our website, treadingfaith.captivate.fm, and where other podcasts are found. You can subscribe and share with your friends, family, colleagues, and neighbors alike. 
Lastly, don't forget to add a note to your faith box or jar. The faith box, what I'm calling God's good gifts, is a box or jar where you keep weekly accomplishments, reminders, testimonies, or good news. At the end of the year, we will review the contents to remind ourselves and to have insight of God's presence in our life year round. It's okay if you're not consistent weekly and it's not too late to start. Nothing is too big or too small to include. This is something personal just for you. Now, let's join together in prayer. We believe in the power of prayer and specifically praying the text of the Bible because according to Isaiah 55, 11, God's word will not come back void. And because we believe our prayers are strengthened in numbers, we ask that you come into agreement with us for this prayer. Father God, we honor you. We bless you. We thank you. According to Matthew 18, 20, when two or more are gathered in your name, you are present. So we welcome your presence and we thank you for your presence, not just now, but continuously in our daily lives. Father, we are learning to use measured words to be insightful as Solomon instructed through the Bible, through the book of Proverbs, we are to take stock of our words. We are to be thoughtful of our words. We are to be diligent in our use of words. Proverbs 18, 21 says, death and life are in the power of tongue and those who love it will eat its fruit. Oh, Father God, we want to speak life and eat the fruits of life. Create in us a spirit of life and joy and encouragement and peace so that these are the things that we're speaking, not just to others, but also to ourselves. Oh, Father God, help us have a mindset focused on your glory and goodness. Help us to remove from our mindsets the idea of negativity and the lack. For Father, there is nothing lacking in you and through you. Let us remember these things. Let us remember and be grateful for the things that we have so that we can speak life into every situation. Ephesians 4.29 says, let no corrupt talk come out of your mouth, but only such as good for building up as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. Father, let our words be sweet as honeycomb and be grace to those who hear. Father God, it's through your grace, love, and mercy that we are here that we are redeemed, that we even have days of joy. So Father God, let us remember those things so that we can encourage those who who seek you earnestly and diligently. Even those who are not seeking you and may be feeling discouraged, let us speak encouragement to them. Let us show them your grace through us so they can experience it as well. Proverbs 16, 24 says, gracious words are like honeycomb, sweetness to the soul and health and body. Let us have words that drip with honey so that those that hear us can be soothed. Those that hear us can be rejuvenated. Those who hear us can feel joy. Those who hear us can be encouraged in this life. Finally, Colossians 4, 6 says, let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. Father, help us to correct our ways. Help us to add flavor and seasoning in every occasion, measured wisely for the right time, the right place, and the right persons. Let us, Father, not use our mouths for destruction, but let us use it for construction, to build, to grow as community in love. Father, 
8, Matthew 18, 19 says, if at least two of us agree on earth about anything we ask, it will be done for our Father in heaven. So we lift these words to you, O Father God, and we come into agreement when we say amen, 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 and amen. Thank you for tuning into our podcast today. We love you and we can't wait to see you next time. Bye.